My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 41 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. Good to be back everybody and in our first episode of this year we've got Rene Borg's top training tips for 2022 as well as a superb insight into the challenge and extreme toughness that is the spine race and this time it's not from the fantastic winner that we're all so proud of our own Ian Keat but instead it's from one of Ireland's most exciting up and coming trail and ultra stars podium finisher and the spine challenger Joe O'Leary everybody let's get our running gear on let's go Hey everybody, welcome back to the Trail Running Ireland podcast and we've got hopefully another great show lined up for you this time and I'm not sure if Joe there will like the term up and coming that I used in the intro as he has already achieved so much but it is great to hear his insight into the Spine Challenger experience and his podium finish and thanks to our friend of the show and wonderful Trail Running Festival race director Simon Kelly who offered to do the interview with Joe for us and as you'll hear later on he did a very good job for us indeed but before we go on I would like to dedicate this show to the memory of Ashleen Murphy who was laid to rest earlier this week she went for a run and as a male runner who 99% of the time I've never had to think about safety as I go training the the tragic incident opened my eyes to the discomfort that female runners can often go through whether it be unwanted comments or safety concerns at any level and if one good thing if any good thing can come from what happened it's that we are all more aware of what our female teammates and friends can go through and that we're all actively part of the solution and I saw this week that Sonia O'Sullivan and her team at the Cove 10 mile race will honour Ashleen with forever naming the mile four of that race and um, the Ashleen Murphy mile which I hope along with the great solidarity and empathy shown by very various communities all over the country will give some solace to Ashleen's friends and family. In racing news, everybody, it was great to see that the Kerryway Ultra put up their sold-out sign nearly nine months in advance, which is a great testament to their work over the last 10 years, and hopefully a reflection as well that the sport of trail running in Ireland, it's in a very healthy place going into the new year. And another positive news story was that the um, Seven Sisters Skyline 30k route has been included in the World Mountain Running Association's World Cup Series, as well as a €3,000 prize fund for the race too, which is great to see that on offer for all the speedy guys and girls up front. As we mentioned earlier on, Ian Keith has added another win and top-class performance to his already legendary status and list of honours with a win in the spine race which is one of the world's toughest endurance race at 268 miles. A massive congratulations to Ian as he continues to inspire and motivate all who know him and all that follow his adventures and his achievements. Well done indeed to all the nine Irish runners that were that were there last weekend that took part in, in what is one of the most brutal races that is out there. Um, five were in the big one, or four were in the big one, sorry, five were in the challenger and as Irishman Liam Vines who came 25th put it brutal 
that's the only word for this. There is so much misery, but also the last couple of days were beautiful. I have learned so much. And I'm sure that so many of you listening can relate to that sentiment after your own tough days on the hills and trail running in ultra races. Now, before we call in Rene for his top training tip for 2022, a massive big thank you to our Patreons who supported the show all last year and for your continued support as we go into the new year 2022. As you know, my main objective with the podcast is to grow the sport of trail and mountain running in Ireland in a fun and free way for our listeners to encourage people to fulfill their dreams in the mountains, to get fitter and healthier. And if anybody else would like to help the podcast, it's only the the cost of a gel per month three to six euros whatever you can and um, you can find out more details on patreon on patreon.com trail running ireland podcast and thanks indeed to dominic redmond anthony gillespie and d gautier i hope i got that name right um, thanks to the three lads who came on board since our last show right that's the warm-up done let's get stuck in and let's talk about how we can race better longer and faster in 2022 Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rene, great to talk to you in this early part of the new year, 2022. And I'm sure like many trail runners out there, you're you're looking forward to the, the races ahead. And what we thought we would do today would be, as we're looking forward to our races over the coming year, we want to perform well, we want to race well, and we're thinking about how we can go about doing that. So Rene, what would be your top tip for this new year coming 2022 um but what are you thinking at the moment well i think f- first of all most of the top tips we gave last year right don't keep those in mind you know consistency aerobic foundation the right balance of training there you know keep that in 2022 nothing's changed um but what i think is a really important tip for the change of the year is to reflect and plan um and we i say that because you know, when you the end of the year is obviously, you know, it's it's a little bit random, really, you know, that we have decided that on the 31st, we change from, from one year into another. There's obviously some astronomical significance to it. But by and large, it doesn't have to be important. But in our culture, we have decided that this is a period where we try to say, well, out with the old and in with the new, you know, and a lot of people out there are, tend to try and use January as a bit of a refresh or restart, um, you know, even outside the running community, you know, most of us, before we drifted into the sport, we would look at, well, you know, what, what things in our life would we like to do better uh, in, in the new year? Because we weren't quite happy with how we, we dealt with it. You know, it could be any number of things. You know, maybe we drank too much. Maybe we weren't happy about our body weight or our body image. Maybe we weren't happy about our work-life balance. Uh, maybe we want to start a new career, a new hobby. Maybe our love life wasn't all we, you, you know, it should have been. So generally coming into New Year's Eve, you know, you have this idea of resolutions and similar. And people often jump into clean January. You know, I do, I'm doing that a little bit myself. I don't do it too extreme because I, I find this kind of extreme, going from extreme gluttony to living like a fakir, it doesn't really work for me. I know it works for some, um, but I do try and clean up my January a bit. You know, we ha- we haven't had any, we haven't had any alcohol on since New Year's, and um, it's it's little things like that. People often go into to the year, but then they run out of steam, 
very quickly, you know, and, and we are very familiar with that dynamic, I think, in the fitness industry because, you know, the, so many people sign up for, for gyms and sports memberships and they have huge intentions. Um, but then, you know, often three, four weeks into the year, it all just kind of fizzles out. And I think the reason is that the, the, the desire, that the goal that you are striving for is either not clear enough or it's not motivated by the right reasons. You know, some people will say, oh, no, it's just a lack of discipline and you just need to work, you know, on that. But it's quite important to try and understand, you know, where does discipline come from? You know, what makes up discipline? You know, we, we, it's easy to, to blame a lack of follow through in the new year with the goals we had to say, well, I'm just not a very disciplined person. But discipline, you know, really comes from your mental attitude and the reserves of, you know, psychological reserves you can bring to projects. And the carrot tends to work better than the stick. So that means if we are really, you know, if, if people say, well, I just want to lose weight, for instance, that can, that's often a goal that is very punitive because it's, it's purely about addressing something negative, you know, that we're not quite happy with maybe our body image. Um, and we feel we have to take steps that are, you know, purely a punishment. It might be giving up all the foods we love. It might be doing exercise that we don't enjoy. Now, as runners, we tend to be a little bit more lucky because most runners enjoy running. So running itself is not a punishment as it is for a lot of people who drift into running, you know, for, for weight loss reasons. But we can still sometimes drift into just randomly training um, the way we always did and kind of not enjoying it as much as we used to or maybe drifting you know from niggle to niggle or even if that's not a problem not getting quite the performances that we wanted you know and then we start to get a little bit disaffected with the whole project and then maybe some of the things that actually make all the difference in keeping us on the road, like, you know, the, the prehab activities, you know, keeping a relatively clean diet, getting a good sleep, that starts to fall by the wayside, because we're getting a little bit irritated, you know, our progress isn't quite right, we feel we're doing all this work. So, you know, hell, I'm gonna have a, a pizza and a beer tonight. Um, you know, th this kind of dynamic. So I think if, if you can straight away, say, well, first of all, what is it actually, truly, genuinely, I want to get out of this year's running? And be honest with yourself. Don't have a goal because you think you should have the goal, you know, because there's so many goals that we have in life that are imposed by society or imposed by other people around us. You know, you could talk about peer pressure, but it's not, it's not quite as simple. But, you know, it's even a goal like a sub three hour marathon. Consider, is that genuinely your goal or is that just something you picked off off the road? You know, and, but if you really were to search your soul, if you want a little bit more deeply, that's not your true burning desire with running. It's something else. So I think that this is the time to make up your mind and really think about what brings you true joy and genuine motivation, because that's what's going to push the work forward. And then to facilitate that, we reflect, which is look back on your year's training and look at what went well. And what didn't go so well, um, you know, maybe see, can you see patterns in your training where your consistency went out window or where you got consistently injured um, and say, well, look, it's all here in black and white. Um, am I going to go just go into 2022 and repeat it because that's going to be the habit or am I going to actively try and sit down and program it differently?
you know, because whatever I was doing wasn't working. So obviously, if you're listening and you had a great year, you had no injuries, you had great performances, that's not something you need to address, right? Because if you look back at your training, you're just going to see good stuff. Um, you might instead have a much more difficult question, which is when I look at my training, which was great, it gave me everything I wanted. What can I do to get just a few more percent if that is your genuine goal? You know, and that that's a different process because that's a process of research. Or you could, of course, you could go to a coach or someone or and ask them, you know, what do you see? You know, is there anything here I haven't thought of um, that that could make me just a little bit better? And some of the athletes who come to us in January, that's that's the sort of question they ask. Um, so I, I think, Owen, that's that's probably maybe a good overview. Um, and, and that is more or less how we work with the people that we coach in that, you know, we always look back at the whole year's data and we look for the trends to see where are the dips, where are the peaks, um, how can we avoid them in the future and how can we utilize what's good. So, for instance, let's say someone has five and a half hours of training average for the whole of 2021. We know volume is important in running, you know, not in isolation, but generally. So we could say, well, is it realistic for you because you want more this year? You've told us this to up your average training for the whole year to six hours. You know, and it's not going to be six hours every week. You know, it's going to be peaks and troughs as well. But that'll be the average. You know, so we already have a, a rough goal. We say, well, we know we will take this variable volume and we'll progress it logically. And then, of course, as we progress that, we look into a little bit more detail. So if they're training for similar races, we would go back and we would look and say, well, okay, what workouts worked well? What workouts didn't work so well in terms of both what we could see and uh, the feedback from the athlete? And we would also look at, well, okay, he ran a 245 marathon on this training. How can we make it just that little bit more difficult so that he can get down to whatever race he wants next, you know, 239, 242? Um, and that is often a case of saying just we take the template that brought the previous result and we're going to tweak some key places. So we might take the, the key workouts and just make them a few inches more difficult. You know, you're, you're, and this is the whole idea. But it could also be broader, right? Because the person, it's always, you know, the, the person gives us as much information as they're comfortable with. So they might tell us, well, actually, I'm ready now to make more of a commitment to my body weight or to my nutrition or I want to add an extra training day. Yeah, and you can have that conversation with yourself because you could look at and say, well, actually, my training was great uh, and I did do well, um, but I didn't actually do much of an effort in terms of, of diet. So at that stage, you have to first of all say, if, if it ain't broke, do you need to fix it? But you might look at something and say, well, actually, I do think I would be better if I cleaned up these food groups, you know, whatever the Snickers buy every Saturday or what, whatever it is you do. Yeah. So at the end of January, you know, if you could have a good, clear list in your head or on paper or on Excel, wherever you put your thoughts, I think that sets you up nicely for the year. Yeah. No, it's a, there are two great words, Rene, reflect and plan. And the, the only thing I would add myself, Rene, to that is that when planning, that not to set that plan in stone, 
be flexible because we are at the start of the year and and who knows what might happen in say six to nine months time like i'm sure in the trail running world in ireland a lot of people are thinking of the big trail races towards the second half of the year and the aim towards them the likes of the Kerryway ultra the likes of eco trail wicklow the morris mullins etc and they might say, let's take the Eco Trail Wicklow. The two of us are very familiar with that. We're part of the organizing team there. And somebody listening might say, okay, my target for the year is the 46K or it's the 80K in Eco Trail Wicklow. And what I would just like to say, Rennie, is that everything might go perfect and you might get to that 80K start line in September. But have a plan B that just in case something does go wrong, whether it's an injury or you don't quite get the training that you are hoping for, that you'll be okay and happy that you still do the 46K, or instead of the big one in the Kerryway Ultra, you do the shorter distance as well, and to be okay and to be comfortable with that. So just to have your plan, but just not to be so rigid, because it's early doors, it's still so early in the year, and as we've seen, Renny, with our own training over the years, with the clients that we work with, Plans have to change and they do change, unfortunately, because we can pick up an injury or whatever the case might be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the old thing that uh, a plan should be written in stencil. And I think that's why we prefer in the year to do broad strokes. You know, so we have a rough idea. We'd like to increase the overall volume, um, but we don't plan out every single workout, you know, 12 months ahead. Uh, you know, we, we plan a month ahead, as you know, and then we we keep looking at how is it going, you know, and we are just along the way. But you can even get a little bit kind of not maybe not profound, but <laughs> in that direction with it. And you say when you have your goals, you know, we talked about process goals being better than outcome goals. And most people, of course, use a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really to actually look at, you know, when you pick a goal like, well, I want to do the Wicklow Glacier Lakes, I want to go do the seven sevens in the morns and you might attach certain performance goals. Most people actually don't right um, but the, the more competitive among us tend to kind of have uh, time or placement goals associated to it but i think we should maybe more often ask ourselves okay you want to finish top 10 or you want to complete the eco trail 80k why you know what is it that makes you desire that because you can sometimes investigate with yourself what is it actually that's going to make you happy about completing that race because some of us sometimes we are very unaware of a lot of things that drives us and it's it, it, and it can cause disappointment um especially you know if maybe the goal you set for the event wasn't actually very important what was more important to you you just forgot it was to have a great experience and to feel strong and confident going into it and to enjoy the training to it you know and i had one client who told me that just recently he said I don't really care so much about the race. Um, I just really enjoy the training feeling good and complete and thorough before the event. You know, so I think he already had a slightly better awareness of what he really wanted. So maybe for people, you know, because I can't give you the answer to this, but think back on the races you had where you had a very firm goal and, and, and just think about, you know, when, when you were happy with the performance, like, why was that? Was it because the time that you ran made you feel better about yourself? Was it because you enjoyed the, you know, the adulation of the crowds or your peers? Like, what is it? 
you know, because it's going to give you some answers about what drives you, you know, truly drives you. Are you trying to impress yourself? You know, are you trying to impress others? Or is it more of an internal thing for you? You know, do you just really get a kick out of being totally emptied and challenged right to the wall and that feeling of elation when you cross the finish line? Because I think once you realize that, you can set much better goals. Yeah, yeah. And one one small mini tip that I might pick up on, Rennie, as well, as you were talking there, um, reflect and plan, I think, is our top tip for today. But as you were talking about reflecting back on your weekly training over the last 12 months, you mentioned it might be five and a half hours and it might be seven hours. And I think for a lot of our listeners who probably come from the traditional road running background, they measure their weekly training in miles and kilometers. But if we are focusing on the mountains and on, and on the trails this year, don't be afraid to move away from looking at that weekly mileage number. Because as we know that if we're running in the trails in the mountains, our mileage is going to come right down simply because, you know, we're going up mountains. So we're not running, running as linear, as long. We're going up and we're coming down. Where the most important thing for trail runners, and I see this on the continent, and Renny, a lot is, they measure their weekly training in hours, as you said. Look to see, are you getting six hours, seven hours or eight hours? And then try and inc- increase based on your time running, not necessarily as much in miles if you're planning on being on the mountains a lot this year. Yeah, and we tried to do uh, something along those lines on this year because we have a club championship every year. And then this year we decided we're going to have a kind of a virtual round which where you're going to earn the same points um, as if you won one of the individual races from what we call a consistency competition. And it's basically the first runner of the year to either get to a thousand kilometers or a hundred hours, right. you know, and then we calculate from that date. And we gave both options because we know a lot of people in the club, they run so much on very rough terrain that, you know, yeah. there's, there's just no way they were going to get to a thousand kilometers first. So there's yeah. these two goals to work with. And I think it's, you know, in isolation, it's not necessarily a good goal, you know, to say, oh yeah, I have to reach a thousand kilometers. But we felt just by, if we can focus people's mind on saying, well, you know, relatively early in the year, just try and get that in the bank, you know, and that will hopefully drive um, behaviors that are good for consistency. Because if you just try and go crazy for two weeks, um, you're probably not even going to get there. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Renny, we might leave it there for today. Our, our mini tip, if you like, is hours per week as opposed to miles per week, um, according to your, your training and where you're based and so on. And then our th- big top tip for the year so far for 2022, reflect on last year before planning ahead to next year. And I know as I reflect on last year, Renny, I need to keep on working on my speed. I, I was too long in the mountains and too too many trail runs over the last couple of years and I ignored my flat speed and hence I lost out on that marathon medal in Belfast. And it, it will take a long time for me to, to forgive myself for losing that sprint finish, Renny. So I'll certainly be adding in plenty of strides and plenty of speed work over the, over the next year. Yeah, well, at least you did your reflection on. I did indeed. Okay, Renny, sure. We'll look forward to talking to you in our next episode. And in the meantime, enjoy the training. Enjoy the miles. All right. Thanks, Owen. Take care. Take care.
Okay, let's keep ticking off the miles and time for our feature interview this week with the fantastic Joe O'Leary. A wee run in mud and slush in the rain is how he described his spine challenger. But as you'll hear now in his chat with Simon Kelly from the Waterfall Trail Running Festival, it was anything but. We're very lucky to have Joe O'Leary here, fresh back from the UK on his uh, journey over to the Spine Challenger. Uh, a bit of background, the Spine Challenger, it's 108 miles, but usually runs a bit longer. And uh, Joe covered about 181k from uh, what I saw with uh, over five and a half thousand metres of elevation. There's a 60 hour cutoff, but that wasn't good enough for Joe. Joe came home in third position in three 30 hours, 30 minutes and 47 seconds. I'm not sure if Joe knows the time to uh, second and back to fourth, but 52 minutes behind second and a whopping six hours and 49 minutes ahead of fourth. Uh, it's a really brutally tough race. There was snow, ice, mud, sub-zero temperatures, gale force winds, a real test. So uh, you're very welcome, Joe, and congratulations. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be back in dry land again. <laughs> I'm sure. I'd love to go back a little bit, even before we talk about the uh, Spine Challenger, because I know a little bit about you. And I mean, from what I've seen and what I'm aware, you were a rally driver, mountain biker, adventure racer, then an ultra trail runner. You've covered the Kerryway Ultra, the TDS, the UTMB. And you were one of the first yourself and Kevin went off and did the Eva Rat Traverse. So you've always gravitated towards the extreme from what I've seen. So tell us a little bit about what drives you and what motivates you for these kind of challenges. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, all these things are look fairly cool. You know, I mean, when you watch them on TV, you're see pictures and books right here. I mean, they look absolutely fantastic. I mean, way better than kicking a ball around the field or something in the rain, if you ask me. So, um, yeah, and it's it, like even mountain biking, it's a bit cooler than road, even though I do road as well. And that's, uh, I loved racing in that uh, more so than racing mountain bike, but mountain bike got you in way cooler places, like and you'd be covered in mud and shit and everything, which is great. So, so if you put it like that, so it's like and being so what dirty is a great adventure, you know? What was the gateway? What was the first thing you saw then <clears> on the screen <throat> and went, that's for me, I want to give that a go? God, I suppose it started from hiking and struggling up the mountain, but running down it. And said, this is absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, it's exhilarating, really, running down mountains. But um, I never thought I'd be able to run up at them. So that's pretty cool. So the adrenaline is a big feature. And I'm sure yeah, the be. adrenaline was coursing through your veins in the Spine Challenger. I mean, for, <laughs> well, I would imagine with the performance you put in, it was it was incredible to watch. I was watching that dot moving along and, uh, you know, enjoying it thoroughly. Like, how do you prepare for an event like that? I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think it's just doing good mileage and consistent uh, training for the last, uh, I suppose, after TDS. TDS is my last proper injury. So it's basically, what, two and a half years of training because uh, like I never really stopped after UTMB or, or uh, Spain either with the World Championships. Um, it took a few days off back running again. So 
I was actually quite tired coming into this as I didn't feel I had enough done and I'd probably about three 30k runs done maybe four I suppose no three or four and uh, so I didn't feel up to it at all I didn't feel that I had enough done uh, especially in the running side because it actually turned out there was a lot of running in the damn thing um, that sounds stupid but like it was very runnable uh, in compared to UTMB and stuff. So um, I actually hadn't the whole pile done, but I think because I'd done so much so consistently in the last two and a half years that uh, I had a latent fitness. And yeah, basically I was doing a lot of strength work as well in the last year, probably nine months, um, you know, once a week and doing focused strength work to it with a guy. And uh, I think that really got me around and through it without any major injury or anything. So with that and carrying that in, what were your goals and aspirations for the race going over if you felt a little bit unprepared? Oh, I, I wanted to finish. I knew that if nothing big went wrong like that, that, that'd be a good chance of having a top five. Um, you know, I was hoping for 30 hours. Um, and I don't know where I got that time actually i just honestly pulled it out of my arse uh because i was like saying it would be definitely longer than the carry way and possibly shorter than uh, utmb so i kind of <laughs> split it between one was 29 the other was 31 so i said 30 hours the grand and uh it was near enough to that but like uh, i i don't know uh it just all felt so slow. I mean, it really, I've never done something so slow in my life. This is just head wrecking. And I mean, the, like it was very runnable, but I didn't feel that I was running fast because all you're doing is staggering. Basically, it's a staggering race, if you ask me. Okay. And did you have an awareness or when did you first have an awareness that you were in a podium position? And did that kind of change your strategy or or how you felt about the race at any point i tell you what um those five of us went off together and then i spot i was looking around and i said um oh, this guy looks half sponsored and this guy looks fit and whatever and those three guys took off and i said, I said to the other guy I said, this is great best thing could ever happen because they're gone now and we can enjoy it and it was only i don't know a couple hours in one of them passed us again. So we'd realized that we were in third and fourth. And I met some other person. Then he said, oh, you're in second. Ah, sorry. He's all wrong. Sure, he doesn't know where he is. Um, but it actually turned out I, that I was because I'd left the other guy. And um, the guy in front got lost. And something happened to Jim Mann as well, that he got lost as well. So I was actually in second for a bit. But I didn't know it until after. And then... Um, you man passed again, so I knew it was in third, but I suppose, when was that? My last concept of time really was about four hours in, five hours in, and um, I thought I'd have a, a head up on the guy behind, so I wasn't too worried, and I said, sure, look, if I just tip away here, it'd be grand, we'd have a good result, and I'll settle for that. So so that you did that for the, the next 26 and, and a bit hours? <laughs> yeah, it was hard enough to do yeah, you know, you you feel you want to push, but it's like, why bother? And then it's, oh, God, it was miserable most of the time. Like, I mean, even the place names like Bleak Low and Badger's Bottom and oh, God, horrible, God, horrible names, God, horrible places. And uh, it was very, it was hard enough to be motivated, actually, in it. 
it is quite it's it's it is brutal like it's properly named it's and, very and brutal. did you uh, have a, a point where you did try and think okay second i'm in touch with second now towards the end that that you could push and close that gap or did you yeah. have an awareness yeah i told brian buckley to text me if uh, things were tight and i heard a text uh, i don't know what time it was maybe uh i don't know 11 o'clock or something a few hours to go and go on by nearly have him i was doing the car cats and all the text and uh i was like i was looking up there was good view up here i can't see him and uh, I didn't check my own tracker, but yeah, so I'll push on a small bit. Like, I mean, I'll run this bit. I want to walk it, but I'll run it. And if it turned out, it was in a horrible place because it was quite a lot of snow there. And uh, some there was some uh, tracks from four-wheel drives and stuff that made it very hard to run them. And uh, so it was actually, like, if, if there was no snow, you could fly there, but so could the guy, the guy in second. But it turned out it was actually, I was using far more energy than I thought I would. So, yeah, I kind of lost motiva- motivation again. But what um, I'd forgotten and Brian didn't know is that that guy had 18 minutes on me anyway, if I had passed him, because I took the main route across the river in flood and he took the long way around. So he was given 18 minutes because he took the long way and I didn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I kind of forgotten about that as well. So even if I passed him, he would have won by 18 minutes. <laughs> so That, that would have been, been very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, for to say the least, yeah. So uh, <laughs> actually he forgot about it as well because I was talking to him after and he said he checked his phone and saw me coming up behind and said he better move on. I said, you're lucky there because I have a name for finishing fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and he'd what, forgotten about it. What was the most challenging or, or, or maybe even that the lowest point during that the, the 30, 30 hours and uh, 30 minutes? The lowest point was the lowest of my life, I think, running. Wow. Um, it was actually coming into the first and only uh, big checkpoint, which was 75k in, I think, 74k in, in um, uh, Hebden Bridge. Uh, and it's down inside in a hole. Oh, he did a god-awful hole, and I made up my mind as pulling out, and I, all I was doing was figuring out, would I sleep there and go home later, or would I get a taxi, or who will I ring, or what will I do, and just figuring all out that, and then it dawned on me to ring Brian for some strange reason, and there was one part of my head saying, sure, what are you ringing for him for, because he'll only tell you stay in it, and there's no way I want to be told to stay in because I'm pulling out, that's it. And um, anyway, I rang him. And uh, I was in such a hole in the, in the middle of a forest that uh, I had no phone coverage. So that was grand. And it was about five minutes later, get into the checkpoint. Are you okay? No, I'm pulling out. I'll sit down there. I'll get you some tea. And by the first, first sup of tea, anyway, I was going, eh, actually, I don't feel too bad now again. And the medic came over. I said, no, I'm pulling out. My leg is sore and I fell there and there's a bruise. And he looked at it. He said, no, I don't see anything. Well, yeah, no, there's nothing. Okay. And uh, checked my ankle. Oh, that's sore as well. No, I see nothing there either. And no, I can't. I can't squat. And he looked at me uh, like in, as if to say, what do you need to squat for? You're in a, you know, an, an ultra race. No, I couldn't. Yeah, actually, I don't feel too bad. No. So... 
yeah, I got my feet dry and uh, clean socks on and ate ate my bit of food and found a can of Coke. And after that, it was 100% again, took off and uh, thought no more about it. I was half embarrassed, but yeah, I mean, you you meet these little patches and um, I think the worst thing that can happen is getting a little patch around the place that you can easily pull out. I mean, if it happens, I mean, top of a mountain, you just have to keep going. But when it's so easy to pull out, it's very easy to do. But uh, look, we didn't. Um, so, but it was a long night. It was a, it was the longest night ever. Imagine, I'm sure they say, don't die in the chair. That's, that is the temptation. Yeah. And it, I suppose to, to the opposite of that, were there any points or what were the high points? Or so I think some people refer to them as flow state where it almost feels effortless. Did you go through any of those during the... Yeah, yeah, one, but it was, it was short-lived enough, actually. It was <laughs> anticlimax. Um, coming off Penny Gint, I suppose I couldn't, like I've seen, I've been watching YouTube videos of this Penny Gint and fountains fell before it. And they look pretty spectacular, and uh, and they run into Penny Ghent, and it comes out up out of the horizon. Uh, it's quite steep, and they'd warned me in registration that oh, it's quite a scramble, and you should watch it. And oh yeah, well I'd be used to that. No, no, seriously, watch it. Oh yeah, grand. Uh, not knowing that there's mountains in Ireland too. Um, so got up there, and sure, just like the steps up to the friary in town. You know, it was just it was grand and. Jeez, there was uh, flagstones up the top and everything, nice gentle run off it. And I said, geez, that's it, race done, sure. Just head away in home now and big spoil in my face and happy out. And uh, then I realized, well, hold on, there's another. I remembered my uh, that I'd written down was, was 35k left after that. So, God, no. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of died. It was kind of short lived because I knew I had a lot more of snow and bog left to go. But uh, yeah, that's what happens. Like uh, it was a bit of an anti climax in finishing because I thought I'd finished earlier. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like the last few hours, it dragged on so much. And like I thought I'd never get there. But, uh, it, you know, obviously I did. So looking back, is it the toughest thing you've ever done? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the toughest thing is the motivation and just the drudgery by the sounds of it? It is the brutality of it because, like, the conditions, you've no idea because you wouldn't go out running in that leg. I mean, if it was at home, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. So I hadn't it done. Um, I'd never been out in those combined conditions like I'd been out in snow, I'd been out in the rain, obviously, because I'm from Kerry and the wind and all that, but not snow with rain melting it, running in slush in gale force wind, minus eight wind chill on slippy flagstones uh, in, a, in a moor, uh, in what else, God knows. Um, and it's just everything together. And I said, geez, how does Ian Keith do this? Like, <laughs> and, and come back and do it again and again and again and again. I said, it must be absolutely fantastic people to do the proper race. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't grasp it. But, you know, you said, this is absolutely horrible. You know, it's, it's kind of like hardship and misery personified. And then you look down at your feet and you said, pretty cool, though. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty cool to be able to do it. Uh, not that you're exactly having fun or anything, but it's still pretty cool. And, you know. It's uh, I suppose that's what you were mentioning earlier. Like, it, it, 
do get a bit of a kick out of it. And I'd be very interested to hear what kind of kit did you use? Like what was your kit for the race, um, particularly shoes and um, different packs? Because I know you have a lot of experience and I'm sure you've gone through countless different items of, of kit. So tell us a little bit about the stuff that you used and what worked really well for you. Yeah, um, I started using, we'll start from the feet up, I presume. Um, I started using speed goats, whatever they are, uh, Hoka speed goats, I suppose, I don't know, about six or no, maybe two months ago. And I felt like there's a great amount of cushioning in them and I thought I'd need that. And uh, there's also good grip. And like, I was very happy with them now in fairness. And, um, you know, I was a bit worried that my feet being wet for 30 hours would be an issue, but I'd also try this new thing of, I got it actually, an idea of an adventure race guy, I think that's the name, Adam Rose, about putting cream on your on your feet at night and then socks over them, you know, for a week before the race. Uh, so that's what I did. I used um, Kilta for that, actually. I got sent them at the Kilta sock thing combo. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I had that done from Monday. Now I'd missed the night before. All right. But, so my feet were lovely and soft and sure, normal socks then and everything. And uh, waterproof pants because of the wind and everything. Um, uh, what else said we? Obviously, the Columbia Outdry jacket then did a great job. And I actually had a skiing base layer that I have. Oh, I must have it 15 years. And I think I get a rally or something, but they're just fantastic. Um, so two of them. And the bag, to a 25 liter bag, uh, OMM, which um, Ian Keach recommends. So that's why I got that. Plus we had it as well in, um, a couple of guys had it in Spain, the adventure race. So I borrowed that to train with it first. Um, and then the rest is all, the, the, I mean, the kit list is huge. Jesus, you have to carry specific sleeping bag, bivy uh, bag or tent. Um, what's that? Uh, the blow-up mattress. Um, you know, it can't be a very... It has to be three-quarter link to one of them as well. Uh, stove, gas, 3,000 3, calories of food, uh, which is quite a lot and quite heavy. And I, I supplemented that with some expedition food dry pouches, you know, so it made it a bit lighter. Um, and the rest, your know, goggles, um, let me think, compass map, GPS, you know, you have to take one of them, a proper one, which is absolute lifesaver. God, I mean, I would end up in Wales or somewhere other uh, without that. And no, it's seriously like it's, it's a lifesaver. Um, what else? Obviously, you have to take extra base layers and mid layers of synthetic material. Oh, God, hats. Um, yeah, the, I mean, an awful lot of stuff. Uh, Did you weigh your pack? What, what was I, the I was afraid to. No, I was afraid. To. I, no, honestly, no. And I, I was going to after. So, geez, I must see what weight that was. But, oh, no, I, no. I, I said, if I had that number in my head, I, I no. No, it, oh, God, it was heavy. All right, like. And at the, um, the checkpoint, did you have any any drop bags or abilities? Like, did you change your socks? Did you do any of that kind of maintenance along yeah, the way? Yeah, well, you had to carry dry ones anyway. But it, see, there was only one proper checkpoint with a drop bag. Uh, sure, we're used to, I mean, how many of you in carry away? Six or seven? Yeah. And um, 
UTMB is two. So we don't need one and it was only 74K and so I had to do another 110 then after that. Um, so yeah, only one there. And it was basically to replenish the food that I'd eaten because you had to carry all your own food. There was no food after either in any checkpoint. Like, um, oh, I got mince pies off one guy, right? Uh, just one mince pie. But um, no, man, you had to carry everything. Um, so change the socks, try to feed, change the socks. And I put on one of those other Aldi base layer thingies and uh, a warm top I got from Brian Buckley sponsored. Uh, keep me warm. And uh, yeah, back on everything else again. And uh, yeah, so I think I might have stayed there a bit too long, but I was trying to get my head together. I don't know how long I stayed there. I must check, but probably half an hour, maybe. I don't know. And for your nutrition, what did you eat along the way? You said you brought some expedition kind of food, but did you eat that or were you just literally carrying that to make up that 300 calories? No, I was just carrying it to make up the 300 calories and it was light. No, um, food is quite heavy, man. I mean, bananas and stuff are quite heavy. I just took two of them and I fell in one. So I had to eat that before I wanted to because it's pure squash. Like, so that was... uh, unfortunate so unfortunately and people will hate to hear this but uh, i had three twixes snickers uh one of those rice crispy things um and stalin this stalin bread you get inside in uh, little and they're 200 calories a bite and uh, geez they were lovely actually so i carried them but i think i didn't carry quite enough for the first section and I thought that the checkpoint to be closer. And I think that's what happened to me when I wanted to pull out that I just hadn't enough fuel in the brain because um, I said, oh, I should be there in half an hour. I won't bother eating, but it was, it was way longer and um, very difficult to send into it. And that's probably what happened there. But um, so I didn't like, I'd rather eat proper food and, Veg, or not veg, but uh, fruit and stuff. And, and like you'd eat in UTMB, um, nice bits of cake and uh, crackers and bouillon and all that. But no, it was all sweet stuff, which I had none of in UTMB. Um, so it was totally different food at this time. It didn't seem to bother me too much. There's no ill effects. Would the difference in temperature uh, kind of lend itself to, to more sweet foods as well and easier to carry then? I have no idea, but possibly, yeah. Because, you know, now that you say it, when I'm really hot, I don't like last thing you want is chocolate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I missed my Coke as well. I don't even want kind of Coke. It's nice to have a, a Coke at checkpoints. Sure, in UTMB there, you've, you've got access to Coke every two and a half, three hours. And uh, it gets some people home, you know. That's great. So, I mean, obviously it all came together and uh, you you really put on a a fantastic performance. And after that, I mean, if you could do any race now, like what's next on the cards or in any race, if you could get into it straight away, like Barkley, Hard Rock, Tour de Jean, maybe the Spine, the full Mm -hmm. race, like what would be the dream race for you? Tour de Jean, I'd say would be easier than the Big Spine. So, um, yeah, for pure and utter spectacularness and kudos, it'd probably be Tour de Jaunt. Um, 
but for pure brutality, hard man thing and career ending run, it would be the spine, which I told everyone they'd never again see me here. And uh, there was no way I was doing the full one. Absolutely. Comprehensively. Never. And that lasted uh, 48 hours or so. So now I'm thinking about it. Um, after seeing uh, Ian so effortlessly finish again. Um, but obviously it's not as easy as he makes it look. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, like, see, it would be nice to do Western States and all that crack, but uh, yeah, the heat doesn't suit the Foxy boys, so there's no point doing that. I, I just, I'd melt. Um, so, yeah, something cooler. And I suppose the spine would be the coolest uh, in terms of temperature. And uh, Tour de Jaunts, yeah, I think that might suit me better because, like I said earlier, in um, that there's a lot of running in the spine, and you know I'm a bit more of um, steep stuff, which I actually don't run that much. Um, so Tour de Jaunt with all the hiking uphill uh, might suit me a bit better. I suppose that to 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 kind of. Bring it around to uh, kind of the end. Uh, a couple of uh, simple ones, hopefully for you. What would your favorite trail or route in Ireland be then? In Ireland, oh my local one here around the lake. It served you well. Yeah, yeah. The people are wondering why I keep doing it. Um, I, I think no, no, I'd love it. It's uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, that, that's the only one that comes to mind. I mean, obviously, this, you know, it'll say the 10 or 20 more that I love to do, but I suppose your favorite one is the one that you keep doing that's always different and you still love it. So if you're taking, if you're going by that, um, it has to be the local one around the lake. For anyone who doesn't know, Joe's right beside Muckras. So it's the, the Muckras Lake for anyone who doesn't know, Joe. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> straight out of Mangerton. <laughs> yeah. And your favorite event in Ireland? That happened recently. That's in my one minute now. That'll be a good one. I think uh, the last time I had fun, fun, fun in a race was the Slee, Slee Geltacht, Muskery. Um, and it, was, uh, it happened to be the half one. And it was pissing rain out of the heavens. And I loved every second of it. Was that 2019 when the floods and. Uh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was a great uh, I think that's, well. um, that's the one, yeah. And the big one, the big, this might take a bit to answer. Who, oh, if anyone, inspires you? You see, there'd be different people and different sports. Well, in any any sport, any person, It'd just be interesting to get, uh, you know, a, an idea of someone who's performing at a level of and, and achieving the results you've achieved. You know, who do you take inspiration from? Oh, yeah, I suppose it has to be, um, it has to be Ian Keister, hasn't it? I mean, especially after, uh, like, we're recording this and the day he wins the, the spine for the second time. And uh, I, I, yeah, it's, I, it's just awesome. Like he'd be gobstruck uh, to see what he's achieved. And 
just an incredible performance and watching it as well. I fully agree seeing that the some of the guys went off. And of course, we were all watching Damien Hall yeah. here. Oh, seeing, he's, he's giggling away at them. And, and he's so down to earth and normal and just like just opened the corner, you know. And just goes up and, hi lads, pass them all. This is fabulous. And then, uh, like, UTMB as well, beating lads. Like, Brian Buckley is a fabulous uh, talent as well. And Christ, like, sure, you know, he was, Brian was nowhere near Ian. And how many years is between them? Uh, you know, 13 or 14 years. Um, and to see what he's done. All the, so basically, like, yeah, I've, probably five years to catch up to him in age but Jesus if I'm you know uh, an hour closer to him in five years that'll be pretty good yes in the UTMB wise anyway you know be if I was an hour closer to him um, I'd be damn happy with that and you know if I was we'll say I don't know five or six hours behind him in the spine I'd be giggling <laughs> yeah I think uh, Damien Hall said it well. He put up a post about uh, Ian's victory and said, uh, I've respected Ian for years and learned a lot, lot from him. Obviously not enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is, is uh, there's, no, there's no point in me doing the full spine rating because I have so much to learn. And, and you hear Ian is still, he mentioned today, he's still learning. He learned a lot. And, and uh, I used to throw my eyes up at that era learning what he had. But yeah, I mean, you, you would, whether you know it or not, you'd learn a lot every race. Um, and, and when someone tell, asks you, then, oh, any, any tips? Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you got five hours? It is probably better just run for five or six hours and, or else you can buy me a few points. But like, there's no one thing and it's all small things and, and it's insignificant little things that can totally change your race. Uh, it leads nicely onto a question I had for you. Do, you. do you prefer running solo or do you prefer running with somebody or a group of people? Solo. But that means then that when I do run with people that I love it, if that makes any sense. Makes total um, sense. Yeah, because I've been running literally on my own now all Every night, like um, I've been running in the dark uh, since October. I went back running again, middle of October. And one run in the week is in the daylight because let's say it's on a Sunday and Saturday would be uh, maybe three hour fasted cycle or something. So most of the running is in the dark and I love it. But then, and I did a bit over the Christmas and then uh, Brian and Mark Bissett called there one day new year's day and it was great to run with them as well like it was, it was like it was like a little child going around oh look company but i was quite happy then the next day to run on my own again you know uh so yeah so i suppose i run on my own by necessity uh and i like it when people come along but maybe not all the time well, I think it just remains to say, listen, congratulations, an incredible performance. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you about it and getting underneath it a little bit as well, because uh, I certainly would love to uh, att attempt something like that. And, and just, you know, you're, you're so generous in sharing your knowledge There's and your time. Nothing stopping you. I think the entry is open next week. Off with you. <laughs> and be in early because it will sell out as uh, people are very sadistic and they like uh, 
<laughs> like brutality. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks a million, Joe. Really appreciate it. I'm no sure matter. we'll see you on the trail somewhere soon. I'm surely will. That's a wrap for our first show back everybody and before I go good luck to everyone who is taking part in the Art O'Neill challenge over the weekend and just as I record they have about an hour or so to go before they start. The Art O'Neill challenge is such a unique event in the Irish outdoor scene. My dad has done it on, on numerous occasions. It's organised by and solely for the benefit of the Dublin and Wicklow Mountain Rescue Team. Its 60 kilometre route retraces of course the historic escape from Dublin Castle that happened on January 6th, 1592. That night Art O'Neill, his brother Henry and Red Hugh O'Donnell broke out of the castle and made for Glenmalure to safety. On a freezing night the three made their way on foot and without the benefit of winter coats having had to leave them in their cells, Henry and Hugh both made it to safety but sadly Art, for whom the challenge is named after, succumbed to hypertamia along the way and didn't make it. So a very special event indeed for both everybody trekking um, ultra running, walking, whatever it is that you're doing, good luck and of course enjoy that special start in Dublin Castle. A final reminder guys of our Patreon, if anybody does have the chance to pop over to Patreon, Trail Running Ireland podcast and for the price of a gel per month 3 to 6 euros, that will help keep the lights on over the course of the next 12 months and keep us going week after week. Everybody have a great week's training, enjoy those miles everybody, let's get our running gear on let's go! Bye.